And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. With me, he's back. My guy, Alex Spears. Al, what's up? Hey, what's up, Andrew? We are recording this later in the week. And with the NBA lottery next Tuesday... I thought this is a good time because, listen, everybody's going to be talking about the draft next week. But I wanted to beat everybody to the punch. Let's talk about the draft prospects now. Very and smart. And to, to do that, we brought in the only person that we would want to talk to, and that's Sam Vecini of The Athletic. Sam, what's up? This kind of planning, Andrew, is why you run the podcast department for the NBA side, man. <laughs> this right. is why this is, this is the high level thinking that leads to success. Andrew, I'm so happy to be here. This is great. Let's, let's start here in your most recent big board article. You had Winbanyama in his own tier by himself. And your second tier included four players, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amon Thompson, and Cam Whitmore. The year started with Scoot, kind of being the obvious choice for number two, with many draft experts saying that he could go number one in most years. Then there was the question of Scoot versus Brandon Miller midway through the year, and now you have him in a tier with three other players. Is this a result of growing concern about Scoot, or is it more about the talent uh, around him there in that tier? It's really neither. And part of it is due to the tier system itself in some ways, like there almost is not a tier high enough for Victor Wembenyama, right? Mom. So he is like, I've gone through this now. I'm, I might write this for next week. I don't know. I'm going to try and go through and like, I've ranked my prospects in the one and done era before, like in articles, but it's always good to like add to it and update that and everything. Yeah, He, he is number one, like Wembenyama, like no questions asked. And because of that, like I have Scoot as a tier one player for me. Like I, I like Scoot as much as, you know, I like Scoot probably slightly less than I liked Cade Cunningham coming in in 2021. And I'm still a big okay. believer in Cade Cunningham. He's going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think people need to just stop forgetting that he exists. Um, the thing is, though, that when you have somebody that is so high up and needs to be in his own tier, it's kind of hard 
then to like figure out how to put the rest of the guys. Like, do I just put Scoot into tier one and also have him as a tier one player, even though like he's nowhere near Vic? I don't know. It seems tricky. Like, do you do tiers based off of, you know, your own evaluation criteria year over year over year? Like where, you know, every single season you account for how many tier one, tier two players, like no matter what tier one stays the same in terms of your grading structure, or do you do it based on each draft where there is one tier for one player, you know, one tier, however many players go into however many tiers. I'm not making sense. I get that. It's very, there's stupid, there's silly ways to do it. There's stupid ways to do it. There are, there's no right answer in terms of the way to do it. I haven't decided yet. I think Scoot is, to answer your question, I think Scoot is very clearly the number two player in this class. I don't have any real concerns about that. I went way too deep into the weeds on tears. (laughs) How close are like the other three? Like Brandon Miller, Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, in your opinion? To Scoot or to one another? To Scoot. Yeah. So for NBA teams, I will tell you, like I've talked to quite a few teams that have Brandon Miller ahead of Scoot. For me personally... I think Scoot is – I would much rather have Scoot than Brandon Miller, personally. Uh, I think Scoot is being a bit underrated based on having played these two years in the G League Ignite, being as productive as he was. People have also brought up the idea of like having a low free throw rate while not accounting for the fact that in the G League – you only shoot one free throw for like 90% of the game right. as opposed to two free yeah, throws yeah, yeah. off of misses. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think that people are underestimating how explosive and athletic is he is based off of the fact that frankly, I think for the back half of the season, the goal for scoot was to not get hurt, uh, as opposed to something that he was competing for. Like Brandon Miller was competing for something in the NCAA tournament, scoot Henderson, what the goal is in the G league is to compete for a draft slot. The draft slot was sewn up before the season started. So I think he didn't really have anything to compete for. So he ended up Mm -hmm. kind of settling, especially in the back half of the season after he started to get nicked up here and there. Like he suffered a couple, like he had a face injury. He had like a very slight knee injury, like throughout the course of the season. I think that people will point to his lack of attack oriented game and the fact that he is willing to settle in the mid-range and not account for the factors that I think led to that, even though he is like a hyper-explosive, dynamic, powerful athlete that can get that kind of paint penetration whenever he wants. So uh, we wanted to ask you about some of the players that have risen up your big board in the last month or so. But first, a process question, Sam, because a lot of these changes have occurred after the basketball season but before the combine, I'm assuming some of it is because of intel you were hearing after talking to scouts and teams. Could you give us an example of like the type of intel that would cause you to rethink your ranking on a player? Because you watch hours of tape on these guys. What could you hear that would make you boost up a guy just based on intel? So I will note, just to start that, me boosting up guys higher and lower often does come from me going back through and like deep diving into guys tape and doing Mm. the draft guide profile for them. Right. Okay. So like 
I have to spread myself so thin throughout the course of the season to try and identify players, especially through the first three months of the season. And then I try and hone in on like specifics with guys, right. And try and like get a finalized grade on guys. NBA teams go through this process as well. Like I'll see people complain about like, Oh my God, like the season ended, the basketball is over. How are you making NBA teams? Don't make their moves like this. NBA teams don't have their fucking board done until like mid April at the earliest. And by done, I mean like the first iteration of it. Like uh-huh. what are we doing here when people complain about that? To get to your point, Alex, in terms of Intel, I, I, I try to do, I'm going to be careful. I try to do most of my Intel work earlier in the season in by like the midpoint of the season in part because I know and I am aware that the closer you get to the draft itself, the more smoke can get Mm. thrown around, the more agencies really start to get involved in terms of creating a narrative around a player. Um, Makes sense. So I think it's important to understand who these people are as human beings before this point. Um, You can always go back through and watch the tape, but finding good intel is something you may or may not be able to do right now. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Like sometimes, sometimes you know when something is bullshit because you've gone through and watched the tape. Sometimes it's hard and you have to continue to dig. You have to continue to run through, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like there is, there, there's a, I don't want to get into specifics, I guess. There, there are things I'm still trying to figure out on the Intel side, not many, but there are a couple of significant things that I'm still trying to learn about on the Intel side is what I would say Um, in order to properly put people. um, There are very few of them though. And I would say that by this time of the year, me moving guys around on my board tends to be more me really deep diving into them and like doing the draft guide profile, writing, you know, 1500 words on all of them and like, you know, understanding their games better. So one of the biggest movers on your big board is Leonard Miller from the G League Ignite. He jumped from 26 to 13. Last year, you were more skeptical about Leonard. You wrote, as a prospect, the thing that worries me most about Miller is the intersection of strength and explosiveness. He's extremely skinny, but also isn't particularly explosive as an athlete. Is this still a major concern for you, having now watched Miller against higher-level competition with the G League? The strength is not. And I would say strength is actually a significant like bonus for him now. Yeah, he looks uh, having gone like through pretty this. big. What do you do? You know, like have an accurate weight on him because I just don't feel I would, like everyone guess, that I look at. I don't feel like it's accurate. Yeah, I would guess like two twenty five, two twenty. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I think he's like, listed at like two eleven in most places. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I sat down with him and like I've been to see like a workout with him like pre draft this year. He's a big dude. But the thing that impressed me most is when you watch his G League tape and you like see him play against other people. He moves people. Like he was moving 25 year olds, 26 year olds, Hmm. uh, by initiating contact. 
not by like absorbing it and getting pushed backward or absorbing it and being able to stand straight up defensively and like hold his position. He is the one initiating action and he is creating separation by initiating that uh, contact. To me, strength is actually a real benefit for him at this point. The problem with Leonard last year was we had no good tape on him, basically. So he is a guy that his journey to this point has been really intriguing. He started playing in Toronto, then moved to Wasatch Academy in Utah, came off the bench because there was a, there were a lot of seniors on that team. I think there were six or seven high majors or not high majors, six or seven division one seniors. I think four of them were high major kids at that point. Um, then goes to Florida and plays at a school there, suffers a wrist injury. So we didn't really get to see him do that. Didn't get to see him play AAU because of the wrist injury. At this whole time, he's growing to like six foot 10. When he gets to yeah. Wasatch, I think he was like six, six. Hmm. So he finally gets on the court again at Fort Erie prep in Toronto and we see this kid that's six foot 10 and he's just like tooling on these kids that are like unathletic, like six foot five kids, like very few division one players, like quality players there uh, by and large. There certainly are quite a few that will come from that league, but the median level is not that necessarily. Whereas somebody like Grady Dick, for instance, Grady Dick played at Sunrise Christian next to 10 division one players, eight of whom will go high major, like played in the NIBC, which is like the, uh, I forget exactly what it stands for, but essentially like the league that all of the best high schools in the country play for has played AAU basketball. The sample with Grady Dick is enormous at this point, mm. even though he's only played one year at Kansas and is essentially the same age as Leonard Miller. We have an enormous sample from Grady Dick with Leonard. We had this weird like Fort Erie situation where he was averaging like 30, 12 and like eight or something absurd like mm -hmm. that. He's like basically averaging like a triple double for the first two months of the season or something. And then he goes through to the draft process and goes to play at Hoop Summit and does reasonably well at Hoop Summit and then goes to the combine where he's playing 22 year olds for the first time and doesn't look very good, right? Mm -hmm. Like he didn't have that ability last year to be able to know how to get to his spots, that strength to be able to get to his uh, areas on the court that, where he can be successful. Then this year in the G League, his first game is against fucking Victor Wembenyama. <laughs> <laughs> it is welcome to the G League moment is Victor Wembenyama like throwing down on this dude. Yeah, yeah. But the thing about Leonard Miller is, and this is part of the Intel work, I, I can share this. Like I'm writing a big feature next week for Leonard on Leonard Miller, um, explaining all of this. His ability to process and learn is unbelievably high. Uh, any coach, any person with the Ignite that you talk to, any um, trainer that's been with him, they will tell you, like, you will see him one week and then two weeks down the road, he will look entirely different and will likely have fixed the things that he needs to fix. Wow. So the, you know, I've, I've seen like the work that they've done on the jumper. I've seen the work that they've done on certain things. 
And I've literally seen him like go through the process of processing things that he's being told as he's being told them. And he gets it. He gets it all. And he's really smart. He's really like clued in. He's just a really like really good human being. Like I'll write about that. Like he's very curious. Like he's he's everything that you look for from an intel perspective. And then oh by the way, he's six foot ten, seven foot two wingspan. Uh, creative athleticism is kind of the way to put it. I don't know if I've ever used that terminology, but anybody that's watched Leonard Miller play will tell you that like this guy moves unlike anybody that you will watch play basketball. Uh, mm -hmm. The he will look like he's completely off balance as a driver, yeah. but he is complete. Like in his mind, in his body, he is completely on balance. It, he moves like his limbs go in like different directions. He's very, uh, it's a creative way to think about basketball. And I think his upside is very high. Now he needs to work on the defensive reads. He needs to continue to fix the jump shot. Like the, the jumper this year with the G league was not very good. We need to just be real about that. It got better throughout yeah. the year. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing is that like, he might be the best finisher in this class on layups, not like Victor Wembanyama is the best finisher in this class, sure. just because he's seven foot five, eight foot wingspan, et cetera. Leonard Miller in terms of his touch around the basket with both hands, he like Euro steps into right foot floaters. Like he'll like go up with like, you know, length extension finger rolls. Like there's just a lot there of create a lot of creativity there in terms of touch. That makes you think is you extend this back. He has the ability to potentially shoot down the road. It's just all about mechanics at this point and fixing the mechanics. And I, I trust the folks he's working with to fix the mechanics. They've done it with other guys before. I mean, they did it with Jalen Williams last year. Jalen Williams had real touch and, you know, mm -hmm. Jalen Williams was willing to work. He's a crazy, crazy worker, but Leonard is too. And I think that because of that, I am a buyer on Leonard Miller in the lottery at this point. So, so who does he play like? Like what would what's his role in the NBA? It's like Lamar Odom, like early Thad Young, um, okay. kind of that guy, I would say. Yeah, I like that. I, think, I like Lamar I, Odom, I'm, a big Odom guy here. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the upside's higher than that, though. Wow! Like I think the upside is like I think the upside's like really high end Lamar Odom, like higher than Lamar the Candy Odom, Man. like when he was great. Wow. Okay. I might Looking be at like, a, a Lamar look, Odom Clippers jersey right now sitting over here in the corner of my office. That's beautiful. Yeah. I might be wrong. Like, look, I am higher on him than just about everybody that I've talked to in the league. Yeah. There are a couple that I've that are like similarly high to me that I think mm -hmm. are really, really smart people. Um, but for the most part, the league is like, you know, 15 to 25 for Leonard Taylor. Yeah. Something like okay. that. Yeah. That's really interesting because I wanted to ask you about his teammate, Sidi Sissoko, because uh, yeah. he did not make a similar jump on your big board. He moved up a few spots, 28 to 25. He is also a big physical wing, strong frame. He's got that dog in him, Sam. He previously he played does. as a guard and has an 18-year-old against G League competition in an off-ball role, averaged three, over three and a half assists per game. In a league where big wings who can pass and make decisions are so highly valued, what is holding you back from ranking Sissoko higher than he is? Yeah, so 
I'll tell you, like, since I've run what I ran that big board two weeks ago, and I'm just kind of running through draft guide profiles, like toward the back end of the first round into the second, I've written 45 of them so far. Um, but I'm like in that range now okay. where like his guys are, he's up to 22 at this point. Um, okay. I, I just kind of keep sliding him up the more that I watch him, uh, as we're talking about this, you know, I, I really like the defensive ability that he brings to the table. First and foremost, I think that he is a really effective defensive slider. I think he's really good in terms of his lateral quickness. Uh, I also think he's really strong and physical for someone that is his size. Uh, if he gets his chest in front of you and you're trying to drive through him, you have no chance. Uh, he's There's just absolutely no shot, I think, to go through him. I'm trying to find the City Sissoko draft guide profile. Where are we at? I think I wrote him right before Buffkin. I did. Um, I think he's a little bit square as an athlete. Uh, I think he doesn't have like a crazy amount of hip flexibility. Uh, I think that sometimes like his first stride defensively for a player that like for me ostensibly is like best as a defensive prospect right now, his mm -hmm. first stride allows him to get beat a little bit more often by quicker players than what you'd like to see. Uh, I don't really love the shot. Uh, the release points like out in front of his face uh, has like a bit of a farther point with his ball dip. Uh, and it's like a bit farther out away from his body. The dip is mm -hmm. super deep to get into rhythm. So it takes him a bunch of time to really get the shot off. Uh, and then the trajectory on the shot is very hit or miss. Like it'll come out super flat. Sometimes it'll come out uh, very high and like arcing. Sometimes I think that like his foot placement needs to change. I think that the follow through needs. To, I think that like the jumper very similarly to Leonard Miller is like a real rewrite basically, but he also like hasn't shown any sort of like real pull up threat. Um, made just 23% of his shots off the bounce this season. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. He wasn't then, a like, great finisher either, was he? Um, It was like, okay, I think, as okay. a finisher. Yeah. Um, shows some like real potential to be good there because of the physicality and length, but like yeah. not a, an elite finisher like Miller was. Um, but really good passer, like you said. Like I love the chemistry with him and Eric Mika this year in ball screens, like especially side ball screens. I thought they were really effective with him hitting Mika as a roller. Um, you know, like you said, dished out three assists, which was creative, which was like really sharp. Um, really good in transition, particularly, I think, as well. It's kind of a freight train out there. But I, I think the skill stuff really has a bit more of a ways to go than what you would hope for, even though he is quite young and like he has time to improve that. Like I said, though, like I have him at like 22 at this point. My guess is like he probably ends up in the 18 to 22 range, 23, something like that. Sam, I'll be honest with you. I'm a big Buffkin boy. Kobe Buffkin was your biggest mover, jumping all the way from 24 to 11. You mentioned in your write-up that some executives have told you that he doesn't necessarily pop for them. Is there a yeah. high upside case for Bufkin or is his ceiling closer to someone like Derek White who you compared him to in your article? I think there's a little bit more ceiling than with Derek White. And the reason I say that is I think that there is quite a bit of 
finishing prowess in Buffkin's game. Like, I think he showcases genuinely elite finishing tools uh, in a way that very few other prospects do. Uh, the good news is, is like I said, won't take me long to pull up draft guide profile. I wrote it right after Sissoko's. Uh, Average 17.6 rebounds, three assists while shooting 52% from the field, 45% from three, 89% from the line over his final 12 games. By yep. the way, those 12 games actually kind of dovetail nicely with Jet Howard coming out of the lineup uh, mm-hmm. because of injury for Michigan. I think that they overused Jet this year and underused Kobe, especially early in the season. Uh, wonder why that was. Uh there's just no wasted decision-making in his game. Like everything is quick. It feels like to me, uh, he attacks driving lanes quickly. He gets downhill quickly. Like, you know, he plays in straight lines. Like everything is direct with Kobe Bufkin in a way that I really like made 64% of his layups this year in half court settings, which is a ridiculous number, uh, especially for college, especially playing next to somebody like Hunter Dickinson, who is more of a post player that really, you know, played a lot uh, down on the block uh, loves the inside hand finish when he drives right, you know, can go inside hand with his right when driving left does a really good job of avoiding rim protectors. You guys obviously know, you know, quite a bit about avoiding rim protectors from watching Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's not yep. that, but he is like quite good at just being able to navigate bodies in the lane. Uh, good pick and roll reads. Like I would say that he's not, he's more of a score first mindset right now than a pass first mindset. And I think that will continue to shift and adjust, but he can make all the passing reads. Like you see in his tape, everything is there. Like he'll hit the cross corner kick out. He'll hit touch lobs. He'll hit pocket passes. Like he, he has everything in the toolbox. It's more that mindset adjustment. Right. Um, And then he can shoot like, you know, made pull up threes at 32% from three this year, which is like fine, given that a lot of those were contested and he's 19 years old. Um, made 37% of his catch and shoot threes this season. Really good defender. It's just kind of across the board. Like he ticks every box that you look for. I think he's yeah. one of the more complete guard prospects in this class. Like there's a case that he is about as complete a guard prospect as you will find. Uh, the only thing really is like the handle. Like you can, I think that where teams will have success against him early on is they'll blitz his handle and he has a tendency to pick up the handle. And I think it's because he doesn't have like a lot of strength yet uh, in his mm-hmm. body. Like I don't think he absorbs bumps really well yet. And because of that, I think his tendency is to like pick up the handle. So yeah, it's a bit of a, that's the one thing that could cause him issues, but I think it's going to improve. Like he shows creativity, poise, polish. Like there's, there's a lot there, I think. Yeah. So I watched him for the first time, like a couple of weeks ago and I was super confused. Um, I don't know if Sam can still hear me cause he got, I can, up. I'm here. Um, I was super confused because there's so many guards that are like six, four ish in this draft, in this range. And he was at the back of almost like every single ranking that I would look at. And I watched yeah. him. I was like, oh, like I like him way better than like Nick Smith and Jordan Hawkins and Rupert and like all these other guys. I'm like, yeah. oh, I just, don't, I just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Hoods Cafino. Yeah. All those guys. Bryce Sensabaugh. All those guys. I was just like, okay. Like I just didn't know what I was missing. And then I felt 
a little vindicated whenever you ranked him high in your next big board. But like, what what took people so long? I guess would be my question on him. So, <laughs> as I alluded to earlier, a lot of Michigan's offense ran through Jet Howard uh, yeah. throughout the season, and I think that was an error by Michigan. Um, Jet is a skilled scorer. Jet is also an absolute sieve on defense. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Jet is the best passer and playmaker. They ran a lot. Like Michigan's offense is based off of like zoom actions where, you know, Hunter Dickinson will catch in the high post and someone from the corner, be it Kobe Bufkin, Jet Howard will come up and take a dribble handoff from the corner on the wing. Right. And a lot of the time early on in the season, it was Jet that would take those. And I think Jet's usage was much higher than Kobe's throughout that early portion of the season. Make your own assumptions on why that was again. And I think it led to Kobe being underutilized within yeah. the Michigan offense. Uh and look, like Kobe was there last year and Kobe was a yeah. he was like an, a 17 year old freshman for a part of the season. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like was very young, really struggled with his physicality, like really struggled to deal with like physicality, the strength aspect of it. There, there were some issues that he had last year. But by the end of the year, he'd improved a little bit, had gotten better. Then the start of this year, you could see that he was clearly like at the very least like a Big Ten starter. And then you watch him now you watch him by the end of the year and you were just like, Oh no. Like why weren't they running everything through this guy early in the year? Yeah. And he's lefty, which is cool. Lefties are great. I'm a big fan. Uh, so one more big mover on your recent big board that you did not write about at length in that particular article was Derek Lively jr. Who jumped from yeah. 22 to 14. Now, uh, last year, Walker Kessler fell to 22, and that turned out to be a, a bad idea. He was very good in his rookie season. How would you compare Lively's game to Kessler's, and does he have a chance to make a similar kind of immediate impact in the league? I would say that Lively is more comparable to a Mitchell Robinson than a Walker okay. Kessler. Um, okay. Walker is so technically sound in ball screen defense uh, he is just unbelievable in terms of like getting his frame, getting his body in front of guys and being able to cut off that penetration, being able to play in the gaps in ball screens. I don't know if I've honestly, like there are very, there are very, 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 very few players I've ever seen play that gap in ball screens between the roller and the ball handler better than Walker Kessler does at his age. Uh, mm. It's all about the technical stuff with Kessler. He's unbelievable at it. Uh, plus his seven foot one, you know, seven foot four wingspan, whatever it is, etc. And is like enormous, physically strong, powerful, everything. Yeah. With Lively to me, it's more, you can do versatile things with him. Uh, Duke this year, like if you go back and you watch, for instance, the Oral Roberts game, Oral Roberts is like this high ball screen attack where like Max A. Smith and they have a, you know, seven foot five, you know, pick and pop guy and Connor Vanover. They're going to set ball screens 30 feet away from the basket, 35 feet away from the basket. And they're going to try and get A. Smith downhill. And the way that Duke 
controlled that game defensively, particularly because of Lively, was incredibly impressive. They would blitz him at times. They would play at the level at times to cut off A. Smith's pull-up shooting. They would drop him at times, depending on who the screener was and who his man was if they took Van over out. Like, it was an absolute masterclass in terms of how to defend ball screens in a versatile manner, not just in drop. And I think with Lively, that ability to do different things is going to be very attractive to teams. Uh, I think his uh, he's also an awesome offensive rebounder, great finisher, obviously, enormous catch radius, seven foot one with a seven foot seven wingspan, something like that. Like has all of the tools. To me, though, it's more of like a Mitchell Robinson type than a Kessler type, insofar as like the technique isn't you know always the most clean thing in the world, but he moves incredibly well, has incredible like lateral ability um, for his, someone who is his size, runs the court very well, enormous catch radius, great leaper. Uh, it, it's more that kind of player. So there's a group, I kind of alluded to them earlier, of this 6'4 to 6'6 guards and wings on your big board, starting at 15 with Bryson Sabah, Jalen hood Scafino, Jordan Hawkins, Keontae George, and Nick Smith. In talking to scouts and people within the league, has one of these guys separated themselves in terms of general consensus or opinions just all over the place with these guys? Nope. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Everyone's all over the place on them. Uh, who do you, who do you really like, like the best? Like, who do you like the best? I guess I would say Sensabaugh. Uh, I want to go okay. back and like, do, I want to go back and like really dive into Keontae George to make sure I'm like not missing something with him. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that Bryce probably has the highest upside long term because I think he is the best shooter of the group. And okay. he is the best three-level scorer of the group already. Uh, I think that I continue to go back and forth on Nick Smith. I think Nick Smith is genuinely one of the worst technical defenders I've ever evaluated. It looks okay. like nobody has just ever taught him like how to defend. Huh. And yeah. like you watch him, like he's like all over the place on closeouts. He's super hoppy. Like he... Um, isn't super strong. So like he gets bowled through by stronger guards that like try and push through him, but he plays hard on defense. Like everything about Nick Smith, like he, he wants to do it. Like there's no, there's no like uh, limiting limitation, like based off of him not wanting to do something right. Uh, or like not caring about it. Like he cares on defense. Like he, he plays hard there. It's just that like the technique is terrible right now. So I have to try and like figure out how to judge that. Like a thing in this class that keeps coming up for me is what is potential versus what is just like reps that you can't get back. Right. Yeah. So like Leonard Miller is like a prime example of this, right? Like Leonard Miller did not play a ton of high level basketball. So like, are those reads that are going to be intrinsic for somebody that grew up playing high level basketball for Grady Dick, right? Who is like a really intuitive, smart, rotational defender, even though I have real questions about him on ball, like Grady Dick knows where the rotations are. He knows like what the reads are as a passer and like as a, you know, spot up attacking closeouts guy 
You know, he just has that intrinsically in his brain. Leonard is still developing that. How much of that is long-term ceiling that he's already so good, but, you know, hasn't reached, hasn't figured out how to do those things yet versus how much of it is just like he lost those reps and like, you can't really get those back when you lose them either. So part of it is like trying to understand the human being involved, like Nick Smith's intels, like, you know, Christine, like a very not heard, like his intel's awesome, just straight across the board. Like how, how much do you like believe in the human just figuring these things out on top of the missed reps? So like the answer is this group from 15 to, you know, even throwing in like Derek Whitehead, you know, Colby Jones, yeah. Jet Howard, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. it, it's a total grab bag for teams right now. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody thinks very differently. Some people think Keontae George is a lottery pick. Some teams still have Nick Smith is like a late lottery pick. Sometimes some teams really like Jordan Hawkins movement ability off of screens and can shoot. Like it's a total grab bag. I guess I would take Sensabaugh because I think the upside is the highest, but like, I don't feel great about the, the order I have them is very likely to be wrong just because it's, uh, you know, if there are six guards there, it's a, you know, 16.7% chance that each one of them is going to be the best one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have an unrelated follow-up that has nothing to do with what we just talked about, but I can't get it off my mind. And I should have asked you earlier. Are there teams that just won't take Brandon Miller because of the off the court stuff? Uh, I haven't talked to any yet. Okay. Uh, that's the that's the only way I can answer it. I mean, like I I don't know yeah. the answer to that. Um, okay. I I haven't talked to any yet who feel that way. Um, it's okay. not impossible that they are out there, but for the most part, I, I have not. Yeah, I have not gotten that yet. I've not gotten that impression at all. All right, Sam, uh, it is time for the speed round. Six questions. Now, it's up to you how fast we go, because slow is also a speed, so if you want to go slow, it's up to you. But it is called the speed round. First <laughs> question. Go. Every year, it seems like there is a player who makes a name for themselves at the Combine, either because of athletic testing or because of increased exposure. Last year, the lottery hype around Santa Clara's Jalen Williams really took off after his showing at the Combine. Who in this year's class do you think could get a significant Combine bump? So I will tell you, uh, I've started to hear that like quite a few players might not be wanting to play five on five. Uh, mm. So I have some questions there. If you made me pick which I am. It's speed round. You are. I mean, this is hard. Like you could go by athletic testing. Maybe someone just jumps out of the gym, you know, and everyone gets excited. I'm going to go. I don't really care about the athletic testing. That's part of the problem. I just don't. Not My a favorite bit. part. Yeah. No, it's cool. Like, it's good to know, but like <laughs> none of it really matters. Um, Disagree. I, yeah, look, I, if Leonard Miller play, I, I will go Leonard Miller if he plays. Okay. Okay. Uh, question number two, speed round. Who is the prospect you have struggled with the most in terms of being confident Ooh. in your evaluation? Is there a player you keep going back and forth on? That is a great question. 
Thank you. I think I would say that Jarris Walker is probably mm. one. And then I would... Uh, Jarris Walker is the most important one for me because I keep going back and forth on if I think he is more of a big or if I think he can play like truly on the wing. Like I've heard the name Jeremy Mm. Sohan is like a comparison for him. And I think Sohan is way more fluid and like just moves better than he does. And I think profiles better toward playing on the wing. Walker is an incredibly instinctive and anticipatory defender in a way that I think he can make up for some of like being square as an athlete. But that's one where I keep going back and forth because I think if he's like a six foot eight big, I'm a little bit less enthused. If he's like a six foot eight wing, then like it's a lot more interesting, right? So that that's that's the most important one. And trying to figure out Jarris Walker's athletic profile is how I would answer that. Great answer. Speed round question three: Who, uh, which prospect is the worst shooter whose shot you are most confident in? Ooh. So a guy who, if you look at the numbers, you look at the percentages, doesn't look very good, but you're not worried at all. That's another great question. Thank you. I would say probably Scoot Henderson because like people think that mm. based off of the three-point numbers, he can't really shoot. But I think the mid-range game is so developed already that it'll be fine. Great answer. Speed round, question four. Which of the prospects regularly mocked in the top 10 do you have the most concerns about? Which you may have already answered with Jairus Walker. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I think it probably is. Jairus for me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Let's go with that. Great answer. Okay. Speed round question five. Who is your favorite prospect that you are pretty confident won't be a first round pick? I'm pretty confident won't be a first round pick. So player that I will have a first round grade on, but won't go in the first. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably Jaime Jaquez, I would say. Okay. I'm not convinced he ends up going in the first, but I think that dude is just an absolute killer and is incredibly competitive and has way more shake than what people recognize. And I think you can work with the jump shot base that he has. Uh, great defender in terms of like team defense. I, I would go Jaime Jaquez. And final question of the speed round, which player's draft stock do you think has most or been most affected either positively or negatively by the basketball environment they were in last season. Oh, wow. A, you're definitely trying to get me in trouble here with some mm-hmm. college coach and or agents that <laughs> You could you could I said positively listening. or negatively. Yeah. <laughs> I will say all of the Arkansas guys because that team after Trevon, and this was not because like the coaching staff could do anything about it. Trevon Brazil, you know, tears his ACL in December or whatever. And from that point forward, Arkansas had zero floor spacing on the court. Uh, Hmm. Just absolutely none of it. And it became incredibly difficult, I think, for any of those guys to like look good in any way. So probably Nick Smith and Anthony Black. That was a great answer, Sam. And and no college coach is going to be mad at you. 
And yeah. that's the end of the speed round, but we still have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I, 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 for someone who can be very talkative, I feel like I managed that speed round well. You did a great job. You did great. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Black. This isn't one of our questions, but I just, I, I feel like his stock did rise though through the year. Um, you, do you think that he will, he will be a top eight pick in this draft? Um, I think it'll be a lottery pick. I don't know about top eight. I think that that group is very tight from, you yeah. know, four on down through 11 or 12, like including yeah. basically four through 12. So Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Asore Thompson, Anthony Black, Jarris Walker, Cason Wallace, Grady Dick, I would say are like that next tier that consensus of teams, I would say, feel good about. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say it goes in that range. I don't know about top top eight will be 50-50, I think, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Gigi Jackson reclassified to the 23 class and is the youngest player in this draft, not turning 19 until December. Uh, the perception of him seems to be all over the place based on his up and down season at South Carolina. If he was in next year's draft, which we think of as a weak class where do you think that he, you would have ranked him based on what you know about him and the 24 class so bad draft class next year um right now it looks at, at least it seems that way are we saying this as if he stayed in high school last year like he should have or as if we have this South Carolina sample that we have now. Yes, yes. You have, you have the South Carolina sample. Maybe he's going back to South Carolina or he's transferring somewhere else. But you know what you know yet now based on what you saw at South Carolina. I actually like the, the, uh, the time machine element of this where he just should have stayed in high school. But then it could be really high because you, you, you didn't see what happened in South Carolina. I That's, know. The answer would be very high because of the mystery box <laughs> element. He'd be ranked quite highly. Um, the problem is we saw the tape this year. Like, what's that? What's yeah. what's Nikias Duncan always say? Like, we saw you. <laughs> we saw the film on you. Like, look, the South Carolina situation, that's probably the best answer to your question previously, Alex. Like, oh, that yeah. South Carolina situation was an abomination. Um, yeah, yeah. They empowered a guy that came into college 17 years old last year to try and like be the centerpiece of their yeah. offense, a guy that can't make any passing reads, a guy that can't, he just wasn't ready for it in any regard. And because of that, they allowed him to put a lot of really bad tape on tape for, uh, <laughs> for NBA evaluators. That is, I think that it was so mismanaged. I think that everything that those folks did, you know, look, I don't know what he got in terms of an NIL deal. I hope he did exceptionally well to have dealt with that. Um, but maybe that made it worth it, right? That it's very possible that what he ended up getting NIL wise, like made it worthwhile for this to happen just in terms of security and everything. But the tape was so bad. 
he is a really, really, really poor defender right now. He's not like an elite athlete by like, he's just not that at all. Uh, He is somebody that has a really good, like he's someone that is very, it's very easy to buy into because his bag off the bounce for someone who is that big is very good. Like Mm -hmm. his ability to like create separation, get to his mid range jumper, get to a pull up three. It's really high level. Like it's really, really impressive, but he's also not quite athletic enough right now to like get all the way to the rim either to get the easiest shots on the court. So how do you kind of manage that? Like you're talking about a guy that's probably going to live on like a mid range, heavy diet in all likelihood, unless he becomes like a superb pull up three point shooter. And that's before we get to the passing. He was one of the worst passers in college basketball this season, given his role. I think he had like a one to one to three assist to turnover ratio, something like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 0.8 assists versus 2.7 turnovers for someone who had the ball in his hands as much as he did to only average 0.8 assists is highly, highly, highly concerning. Um, Again, the shot 38% from the field because he can't get all the way to the basket all that often uh, off the bounce. 32% from three. Honestly, I think the shot is okay. Like I know that that looks like a bad number, but a lot of those were like exceptionally high difficulty pull up threes. Like I think he could shoot. I'm not real worried about that. But again, like the defense was really rough. Like he was like all over the map rotationally. Wasn't a great like rim protector in any way. Like, I mean, I'll pull up the draft guide profile while we're talking. I mean, didn't seem to have great awareness of what was happening around him off the ball was a consistent ball watcher, got back cut all the time. Uh, Didn't have great rotational instincts and scramble situations. Also, there was one thing that like really frustrated me. It seemed like he like didn't know the scouting report against Alabama like he was going under Brandon Miller screens, which mm. it's just like Brandon Miller is like an incredible shooter. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't love his hip flexibility in terms of like his lateral ability. Um, I, I just, I don't love him. Like I, I, yet, if he was in next year's draft, knowing what we know, yeah. I guess I'd probably rank him like 20 like, you know, 15, 20, something like that, just based off of the potential that like it could work out. But like, okay, we have the tape and it it was, it was not good. I mean, honestly, that makes me feel better about next year's draft. Cause I mean, you have him ranked, you know, he's not, I think he's at 22 on your big board right now. So if you're saying that he'd still be in like, kind of like the late lottery, you know, mid first round range, Maybe yeah. that don't feel bad. I was I was I was thinking you were gonna say, oh, last next year's class is so bad he'd probably be like a top eight guy. No matter it's what. not a statement on next year's class, is what okay. I would tell you. Uh, um all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well uh I, I have for what it's worth, I've kind of gone through and done some updating since then, as I mentioned earlier. I have him like in the 25 to 30 range. I'm like not hundred percent convinced I end up with the first round on him, but I think I probably will just because of the shot creation upside. Yeah. 
Okay, Sam. Uh, final question from a listener, the doppelganger. General question. What are your thoughts on the draft-related changes in the new CBA, and how do you think they will impact this pre-draft process that we are currently in? Yeah, so the combine is the biggest one. You have to go to the combine now unless you have an approved reason to skip it. For instance, Victor Wembanyama would have an approved reason because he is in the middle of a title chase in France right now. The NBA is not going to make him like leave Metropolitans and come to the combine, right? Also, injuries, uh, you know, you might have to attend the combine, but you certainly want to participate in everything if you're injured. Uh yeah. That's something that NBA teams have fought for for years just because they want the medical information. They want all of the possible information that you can gather uh, just on the medical side. So that is a big thing. Now teams will have access to all of those and it's going to be really, really hard. The follow on from that is it's going to be really, really hard to do like a you know promise shutdown kind of situation mm, yeah right where like matisse thibel just like, like skipped the combine a few years ago right four years ago or whatever that was because you know the 76ers promised them and they were good with that landing spot uh there are other examples throughout the years of that happening and i would expect to see fewer of those because of this new collective bargaining agreement the other one would be the second round exception talk to a few agents that are like pretty annoyed by this uh, just because it takes a lot of the potential creativity for certain kinds of deals off the table. Uh, I don't really want to get into the weeds on what I've been told that will look like in terms of like the structures of the contracts. Mm -hmm. I've been told, I've been told one thing from a few different people, but I kind of want to wait for the exact language to come out just so I don't like get anything you know, slightly off. Um, but they're a little bit more standardized, I guess is what I would say. And every team will use these because there's no reason not to. Whereas previously, like you could get Taylor Horton Tucker, for instance, like on a two-year deal with the Lakers, then he hits free agency earlier and, you know, he breaks out and everything's good. These deals are going to result in much more team control for second round picks. Uh, okay. than what we've seen previously. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Sam, that was 53 minutes of draft questions that you have answered, <laughs> and your reward is playing Andrew versus the Beat, NBA Draft Edition. Now, uh, Sam, you've played this before. You know how it works. I've come up with eight questions all about the draft. Now, I've tried to make it about this year's draft. They're not all about this year's draft. Uh, some are easy, some are hard. You're going to pick a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. And we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, Sam, to start us off, I just need a number between one and eight. What is What are Andrew and I's scores against one another? I can't remember. Well, the only one I remember is the one where you ended up with a quarter of a, one point. Uh, That's you took funny, one point the one... and you cut it four ways. You got one of those. That's right. And that was your final score. Um, I don't remember how you did the second time. I'm, let's say I think we've done like me the second time. Let's four. say you bounced back so that this is the rubber match. No, we've done like four. I'm definitely I down. I know that. that. Yeah, it, we might have even done five. I, I'm either down one, two, or two, three, I feel like. Something like, oh, so you're like could the be Celtics. Like one three. I don't know. Yeah. And um, Andrew is Doc Rivers. Oh, God. Yikes. Uh, That's not good. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. I I will go seven. Question number seven. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, Which NBA team holds the current record for most consecutive seasons drafting a player in the lottery? Now, this is not they draft a guy and then trade him immediately. This is which team for the most seasons in a row starting with last year, mm. drafted a player and brought that player onto their team. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Detroit? Detroit is incorrect. Yeah. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Now, they almost were the right answer, but uh, Sekou Domboya was pick number 15. Oh, God. Back in the day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is gross. Um, I was thinking Detroit. I would. You'd think that like the Kings could get in here, but they probably traded their pick at some point. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Starting. Okay. Let's see. I don't know, Washington? That just can't be right, though. It can't be, Andrew. It's not. Uh, the correct answer is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. They have drafted, uh, hold on here. Uh, oh, last year was Agbaji, Evan Mobley, Ooh, Isaac no, Okoro, no, no, Darius out, Garland, nope. Colin Six. What? They did not draft Oshai. The Utah Jazz drafted Oshai. He played for the Utah Jazz in Summer League. And then, like in August or whenever they did the Donovan Mitchell deal, 
they acquired him. You're right. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. Abaji played for the Jazz. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He played for the Jazz in summer league. Yeah. <sighs> Man. He didn't play for the Cavs in summer league. Are we sure? I'm pretty sure the Cavs. Drafted Abaji, that's what right? I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, he played for the Cavs in summer league. Yes. Oh, oh okay. So that's, this. Is, so he is right. So you we're are safe. right. Damn it, you're right. Jeez, we're safe. You're safe. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't clarify that they played in the regular season. So uh, yeah, you're clean. In a, this is in an this effort is on to me. not have to go back. You're clean on this. Uh, okay, Andrew. Uh, neither of you got a point. Where would you like to go next? <laughs> number one. Question number one. Assuming Victor Wembanyama goes number one in this year's draft, which I am assuming, he will join a yeah. list of number one overall picks that did not play college basketball in the United States. How many number one picks in NBA history did not play college basketball in the U.S.? Now, you don't have to tell me their names. You just have to give me a number. Oh, my Lord. A number. Going back to the beginning of the NBA? Yeah. Yeah. All the way back. I checked it, and there was one guy who was very tricky. I had to do some additional research. That did not play college basketball. Okay. I'm trying to think of who the last one would have been. That could have been a question as well. In fact, that was my original question. Was it Bargani, the last one? That's correct. Not the answer to this question, but in an alternate timeline, you would have gotten two points there. Okay. You have to go all the way back to 2006. Hmm. It's honestly kind of surprising to me. I know. It was surprising to me too. I don't know. Four. I don't know. Andrew, that is incorrect. Sam, you have a chance to steal for one point. So, Bargnani, Yao. Um, who else? Who else? I'm like trying to like go back into the weeds. Did not play college basketball in the U.S. Did not play college basketball in the U.S. Bogut played at Utah. Three? Correct answer is five. Yeah. Andrea Bargnani. High schoolers? What? High schoolers? Yeah, of course. I was ask you oh, that. damn it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Did not play college basketball. Yeah. Uh, we got okay. Bargnani, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Yao Ming, mm. and Kwame Brown. Yeah, that's gross. Didn't think uh, about high school. While I was looking this up, I was learning about Michael Olakandi because I it just said Pacific <laughs> and I couldn't remember if Pacific was a college or not. So I was reading his Wikipedia page. His story is amazing. They should make a movie about his story of getting to the NBA. It's a shame he gets thought of as a bust because the way that he ended up at the University of Pacific and him, he had never played basketball before. He just opened the Peterson's Guide to American Colleges and Universities to a random page and landed on the University of Pacific and then sent them like a letter, or he called them and asked them if they would just take him as a basketball player. He had never played before. He was just seven foot one. And they did. And by his senior year, he was, you know, like the, the best guy on that team. He gets drafted number one. Crazy story. 
Uh, next question. That's that's a dis that's a Disney move. That should be on Disney Plus. It should right be on now. Disney Plus. Go read the Michael Olakandi wow. Wikipedia page because it's very wow. It's great. It's a great story. Uh, okay, Sam. Wow. The board is yours. Zero zero. Defensive uh, struggle. Yeah, let's go two. <laughs> okay, according oh, to a February ESPN article by Brian Windhorst and Jonathan Vivoni. Victor Wembanyama is seven foot five inches in shoes. According to Stathead, there are only nine players in NBA history with a listed height of seven five or taller. How many total three pointers did all of those nine make combined in their NBA careers? Now, before you answer, you can choose who answers first. You can make Andrew answer first, and then you just have to say higher or lower. Or if you, for some reason, know this, you can answer first, and Andrew will go higher and lower. So these are all the guys in NBA history who were seven five or taller. There's nine of them. How many total three-pointers did all nine of them make combined during their NBA careers? And this, in case you're wondering, this is regular season and postseason. I did double check yeah, to see if I'll give I'll give this to Andrew. Okay, Andrew. What would your 17. guess be? 17. 17. Sam, would you like to go higher or lower? I will go lower. Correct answer is... 51 51 and that is because minute bowl hit like 45 of them yes and uh yao had two and sean bradley i think had had four okay very fun uh okay andrew board is yours you just got your first point uh number three uh andrew sam currently only has one kentucky wildcat in his top 60 players for this upcoming draft, Case and Wallace. Yeah. The last time only one player from Kentucky was drafted was 2009. Who was that oh player? Oh my gosh. 2009 Kentucky Wildcat. It was the, it was the last time that only so, one Wildcat was drafted. This is the Blake Griffin draft. Yes. I'm not telling you, you anything. That to me. Yeah, this is Blake Griffin Hushing the beat. James Harden. Know it well. <laughs> Just keep going. We live that. Uh, Terry Kevins. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Rubio. Whoa, you're up to number five. Here we go. Can you get number six? <laughs> well, Johnny Flynn. Flynn because of, number seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steph Curry. Number eight. <sighs> I'm blanking Joe at eight. Alexander? Now, remember, you get zero uh, he, points for this. Yeah. <laughs> take as much time as you want, though. No, Alexander was I don't. Uh, it was yeah. Jordan Hill. Jordan okay. Hill. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross. That was tough. Okay. Was this a first rounder, the Kentucky player? I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you one so they, player from Kentucky got drafted in the 2009 draft. Oh, my gosh. I just have no clue. That was just a great way to stall for me to say. I have no idea. All right. That sounds like a pass to me. <laughs> Sam, uh, any guesses? So this is the last uh, uh, Billy Clyde year, I believe. Billy Clyde. Billy Clyde. Billy Gillespie. Billy Gillespie. Okay, thank you. Yeah, the year. this is the year before Cal got there, I believe. Um, mm, okay. Sounds like more stalling to me. Which makes that tricky. I'm like trying to, re- there, there's like a name in my brain that like I'm trying to like remember. I think he played with those. I think he. Trying to conjure up a name. Like Kentucky Wildcat. Duran Lamb? Duran Lamb? 
That is he played with the Brandon Knight team. That's wrong. Never mind. Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, it was pick number forty-one. Does that help you? Forty-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew. Sharpshooter Jody Meeks. Jody Meeks. Yeah, Jody Meeks. Sense. I think I confused. Such a hard, <laughs> such a hard question. By the way, no, the scary not. thing is, I was on the right track because I think in my brain I confused Deron Lamb and Jody Meeks. <laughs> really? If you had gotten that, it would have been an amazing poll. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sam. No points lost. You're only down by one, and you have control of the board. All right, let's go eight. Question number eight. Ooh, this is a fun one. The Thompson twins are both expected to be taken in the lottery of this year's draft. There are five pairs of brothers currently in the NBA who were both taken in the first round of the NBA draft, and we're going to try to name them all. So, Sam, you're going to give me a pair of brothers who were both taken in the first round. Then Andrew will give me a pair of brothers, and we'll go back and forth, see if you guys can get all five of the brother combos. All right. Uh, The Morse twins. That is correct. Andrew. Taken in the same draft? I mean, they no, not necessarily. Just in the first round of their respective drafts. Okay. Um, Lo- Lopez. That yeah. is correct. Rolo. Rolo. Oh, now this is where it gets tricky. You came out really hot with the Morris twins. Yeah, I'm like trying to you think. You knew that one. Yeah. Of the next grouping here. Oh, this is tricky. Um, Only three brothers left. I guess it's six. They're brothers. currently in the NBA. Uh, yes, they are all in the NBA currently. Okay. Taken in the first round. That's right. That's right. I feel like this shouldn't be as hard as what I'm making it. <laughs> it's pretty challenging. This is tough. I'm, I'm kind of blanking. Yeah. After those two, I mean those those um, are the most famous brother combos. I feel like people instantly go to probably because they're twins. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. I'm like literally kids? trying to like run through teams in my brain now and like trying to find. Do you got a brother's Rolodex? You're flipping through right now. Brother, 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 brother. I don't, unfortunately. I wish I did. That'd be nice. Um, There's like brothers I can think of, but they weren't both drafted in the first round. Yeah, like I, my immediate thought was like the Collinses, but they're not still in the NBA. Um, <laughs> this is hard. Like the Martin, <laughs> the Martin twins. Neither but were drafted were. in the first round. Drafted. Yeah. Yeah. This is insane. You're an insane person, Alex. <laughs> uh, I can give you a little bit of a break here for a quick question. Uh, what do you think about the Pistons potentially hi- talking about the Thompson twins, potentially hiring Kevin Ollie as their head coach? James Edwards reported that he is the front runner for that job right now. He was the coach of overtime elite. Uh, Any thoughts on that? Pass. Pass. Okay, now you're back to the question. I gave you a chance to waste time, and you chose to pass. I will pass. I think on of that any one more brothers. Well. Um. Okay. Oh, brothers, this is gross. This is very gross, Alex. This is a disgusting question. 
Um, <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, I know people are like screaming at their. Uh, they are furious. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> now, you guys didn't. You know, Andrew said the Lopez's. You said the Morris. So I'm not going to make you tell me which holidays, but it is Aaron and Drew holiday. Yeah, it's Aaron and Drew were the first rounders. Justin uh, was undrafted. Yeah. Okay, Andrew, back to you. Sam has pulled it out. Pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Can Andrew do the same? There's two uh, pairs of brothers left. I thought I had one, but then I'm I'm wrong. I, mm, which which brothers were you thinking? I'm uh, I don't even want to say it, Al, because you're um, embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed. Was it the Champagne um, brothers? <laughs> no, they were not drafted in the first. Round. Um, it was the Zellers. Like Tyler Zeller's not in the league uh, anymore. The Zellers. Who was a first round draft pick? I believe yeah. that Cody that would have worked if Tyler pick. was in the NBA still. Oh boy, are these old guys? Can you give me any hints there? I feel like this question has destroyed you guys. No, yeah. I'm not giving you any I, hints. I, it just feels like something that we should know. Is why. <laughs> It feels like something that we should know about with these brothers being drafted in the first round. Can, can I go cross sport first round picks? His <laughs> brothers. Uh, I, I will give you a quarter point. Uh, yes, if you have a cross sport. Andrew, any guesses? Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to bow out. I just can't even think. All right. So the last two, the one that was tough. Are the Wagner brothers, Franz and Mo? But Mo was oh. a first round pick. Oh, I forgot Mo went in the first round. I did not have a first round grade on him. The one that you guys that people are screaming at you about, yeah, Lamelo and Lonzo. Uh, oh, yeah. dirt! It's because I just forget Lonzo that Lonzo is even in, in the league. Yeah, years. I'm I'm mad at myself about that. Cross cross sport. Yeah, Quentin Grimes and Tyler Myers. Quinn Grimes, Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers, what what sport does he play? NHL. He plays for the or when played for the Winnipeg Jets and Buffalo Sabres. You know, I was thinking about getting into hockey the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 Is that is that a fun sport to follow? It's pretty fun. It's goes. fun to go to. You should go to a hockey game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Um, okay, Sam, you just got two points. You're up two to one. You should feel, be feeling great right now. Andrew, you have control of the board with three questions left. Number four. <laughs> All right. This is not good. Jalen Hood Shafino is, so is evil. Uh, Jalen Hood Shafino is a projected first round pick in this year's draft and has a hyphenated last name. The last time a player with a hyphenated last name was taken in the first round was 2019. Who was that player? Taken in the first round? Yeah. It's the last time we had a hyphenated last name player taken in the first round, 2019. Oh. I thought I had it for a second, but it's not that person. Is this uh, is this Shay's cousin, Nikhil Alexander Walker? Andrew, that is correct for two points. All right, yeah, coming down. Shay to the was wire. mine. I was like, wait, like okay. that's not right though. That's twenty eighteen, I believe. And then I go into Contavious yeah. Caldwell Pope, and I was like, oh yeah, that's mm. it. And then no. <laughs> uh, okay, Sam, you're now down by one. Two questions right. left. 
Let's go to six. Question number six. The University of Houston will double the number of alumni in the NBA next season when Jairus Walker and Marcus Sasser are drafted. Who are the two Houston Cougars currently in the NBA? One point per correct answer. The two Houston Cougars currently in the NBA. That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. Oh, God. Um, One of these is probably super easy. One of them is probably super hard. That's a good guess. (laughs) It's funny. My brain is going to a specific player that, like, might have gotten a 10-day at the end of the year. Hmm. And I like can't get past him right now. Houston. Houston. The Cougs. The Cougs. This is like, I know there's one that like, I'm just like missing, like right at the front of my brain from like the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. Cause they've obviously been just like really good the last couple of years. Oh, um, Armani Brooks. Armani Brooks. That is incorrect. Um, he might not have gotten a ten day at like, the end of the year. You look like you're searching. Well, I mean, yeah, he he did play for. <laughs> yeah, I am searching. Uh, I'm just like double checking because he he did play for uh, Houston. Let me double check uh, that he uh, did not play in the league this year. He did not play. Yeah, league this past year. All right, Andrew, you have a chance to steal. You can put the game away here if you just know a bunch of Houston Cougars. Sam, there's one that you're going to be kicking yourself. You might wake <laughs> oh, up in a cold sweat in the middle no of the question. night on this one. Yeah, Quentin Grimes. Quentin yeah, Grimes played for Houston. Yeah, because Sam had just said his name. I literally just said his name. Yeah, literally <laughs> just said his name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't have any clue who the other one is, but I do know that one. Uh, so the other one, uh, Sam mentioned one would be easy, one would be hard. The other guy uh, only played at Houston his first two years. Then he went to Texas A&M. Then he went to the NBA, and he is currently playing for the team uh, that is playing the Boston Celtics. That is Daniel House Jr. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah. I would have never gotten there. Really tough. Okay, Andrew, wow. final question. You're up four to two. If you just get one of these right, you're good. Although, if you don't, Sam could get both points. Paulo Bancaro attempted 534 free throws this season. Since 2000, only two rookies have attempted that many free throws. Can you name them both? One point per correct answer. Since 2000? Yeah, since 2000. Only two other guys have done it as a rookie to attempt at least 534. Wow. Free throws. Blake Griffin? Andrew, that is correct. Yeah. That's going to seal up Um, the game for you. Now you're just putting some extra frosting on your win. If you can get the last name. Durant? That is incorrect. Sam! Oh, big chance here to uh, only lose by two. If you can get this Uh, one. Luca. Right. That sounds 
very right. It feels very right. <laughs> he might have missed too many games as a rookie, though. Uh, he missed more games in the than game people or- think. Yeah. <laughs> he attempted 485. The correct answer was yeah. Carmelo okay. Anthony. Carmelo yeah, Anthony, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. Melo. There, there are points in the game where Alex will hit this. He'll, you'll see the panic in his eyes just like hit <laughs> Look, instantly. It sounds he'll so immediately right. start searching. For, and I'm like, I yeah, swore yeah. I looked yeah. this up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that brings us to the end. Congratulations to Andrew. Uh, yeah. This this was a defensive struggle. That was rough. That was hard, that yeah. That was really, it was really rough. <laughs> Alex is a very good quiz master. I will respect. I will respect that. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, uh, Sam, we got to read you at the Athletic. You also need to go listen to the Game Theory Podcast. It's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Also, you can find that same podcast on YouTube, and you can also find this podcast on YouTube if you like watching people talk. You know, check it out. Uh, Sam, anything you, that uh, you need to plug before we go? I did a redraft of the 2022 NBA draft that made mm-hmm. everybody Ooh. very happy and oh, I, I loved quite it. pleased. Uh, yeah. Go check that out. Um, what else? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a bunch of stuff next week because it's lottery week. I'll have a mock draft. Might have yeah, a yeah. bigger thing as well. Um, I think I'm going to write about Leonard Miller next week as well. Uh, so, yeah, go Go do that. I'm gonna do a uh, I'm gonna do a quick spin on Tankathon real quick to see who wins the lottery. Oh, this is the official slam and jam prediction. The official slam and jam prediction, and it's the San Antonio Spurs winning the lottery with the Portland Trailblazers getting the second pick and the New Orleans Pelicans making a big old jump up to three. That'd be wild. Wow. That would be wild with the uh, Detroit Pistons falling all the way to five. Sorry, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Uh, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy the weekend of playoff basketball. We'll talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.